Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to a special episode of The Life Of. This is the podcast where everybody has a chance to be known. Uh, But this is a very, very, very special episode because sometimes this podcast is about learning, understanding, and asking the right questions. Um, First of all, before we get started, please go ahead and uh, comment, rate, and subscribe. Comment, rate, and subscribe. It doesn't cost you a thing. Just go ahead and do it. Um, Like I said, this is a very special episode. Um, If you listen to the Black Lives Matter episode, um, I I told you that I had, uh, for some reason, because everything that's going on, an invigorated interest in local government. Um, You already know, like I would vote for president and vice president, and I would treat the rest of the ballot like a Scantron that I did not study for. Um, But in the times that we're in, we're seeing how much local government directly affects uh, our everyday life and our community. Um, so just wanted to at least create some sort of foundation for understanding of what that actually means outside of voting for president and vice president. And uh, to learn more, we have the perfect guest to come navigate this conversation and give some insight onto what we're actually voting for. I'm, I'm super excited. I'm super duper excited that he's here. He is a member of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. He's an amazing attorney, real estate investor, father, all of those things. And as of November 2nd, he will be the new mayor of Tarrant, Alabama. I don't think Tarrant, Alabama has a target, but as the first African-American mayor of the town, he may be the first. Welcome to the life of mayor-elect Wayman Newton. Hey, thank you. Thank you. What's going on, man? Nothing much, man. With an introduction like that, I feel as though I can do anything. <laughs> <laughs> you can, man. You did it. You're the first, you're the first black mayor of Tarrant, Alabama, man. This is yeah. That's that, that, that's what they tell me. That's, that's what they tell me. So, <laughs> all right. So I, I want to get started with two questions that I I think are just are interesting before we jump into the information part. Um. Mm-hmm. So I I have never run for office in my life. I, not to this day, not high school, not college, not middle school. I didn't I didn't even sell them little pizzas they told us to sell to, to raise money for the basketball team. I didn't do none of that. But I do know after a show, I'm so hyped that most of the time I end up coming to the house and watching The Office just to, like, chill out. I eat probably some ice cream after a show. Like, I, it's a whole routine for me. After you win a mayoral election, like, what did you do that night? I slept. <laughs> you sleep. <laughs> you just won and went to sleep. I, 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 um, we had a, um, I actually had a, um, a little victory celebration dinner, um, with family and supporters, and then, um, I did that uh, for about maybe three, four hours, um, and then I came home and I crashed. I think that one of the things that that you don't know. And I didn't realize this. This was the very first time I actually ran for any type of political office. Is that um, campaigning is gruesome and it's very time consuming, and um, and it's one of those things where you tend to lose a lot of sleep, <laughs> and so um, you don't realize it because I mean your 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 body is pumped up and um, I mean you're kind of in your zone, but um, once it's over, you want to sleep. <laughs> Yeah, I get it. I get it. All right. And and I, I, I'm just interested because you said this was your first time campaigning. I don't know if you this can, was, yeah. if you I don't know if you can say this on the record. Uh-huh. But if you can't, I'll it's fine. What's the worst thing that you saw said about you on the campaign trail? Oh my God. Oh wow. Um I um that's a good that's a that's a really good question. Um uh, you you were running to be the first yeah. black mayor in Tarrant, Alabama. I'm assuming. <laughs> you know, but it, interesting interestingly enough, um you know, Tarrant, believe it or not, I mean it it's, we're in Alabama. Um but Tarrant is a very diverse city. Um and um and it's a very diverse community. It's about 55% African-American, um, probably about 30%, you know, um, white, black, Caucasian, and then anywhere from like 15 to 20% um, Hispanic. And, you know, I know for California, <laughs> that's not diverse. 
But here in Alabama, that's extremely diverse. And um, Tarrant is one of those unique places where um, it's, it's not segregated along um, streets, nor is it segregated along neighborhoods. I mean, um, just on my street alone in my cul-de-sac, let's see, there are three African-American families, there are three white families, there's like four Hispanic families, and then there's a gay couple. I mean, so, I mean, it's extremely diverse. And so... Um, contrary to what, um, you know, what you may actually think, you know, first black mayor of a small, you know, city in, in Alabama, um, I really didn't have, I mean, you know, negative things said, um, about me, you know, along those lines, um, probably, I guess the only thing, and you can, you can call it negative, but it's not really negative. I mean, it's just more so politics. People tried to say that, you know, I didn't actually live, you know, in the city. <laughs> they wanted to say that, you know, I was some type of carpetbagger and that, you know, I had like one of, I was, they had, they said that I, I used one of my rental properties and I listed that, um, on my, um, on my campaign forms. Um, but you know, I don't really live here. That's 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 what they tried to say. But I mean, obviously, that's that's not that's not true. So that is that is that is a sign that America might be actually changing. If that's the worst thing said about you on a campaign trip, yeah, yeah, it's um. Fifty years ago, that cul-de-sac would have been a hot spot. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, but believe it or not, though, I mean, I, and I, you know, I I know this is probably going to be you know seem kind of you know crazy you know being said but i think that's the difference between the south and you know a lot of other parts of the country in the sense that um we've actually had to deal with race um and we you know unlike you know the west coast and the east coast and the north um you know we haven't been able to kind of put race on the back burner and um try to talk around it i mean it was front and, you know, the whole civil rights movement, it happened here in the South. And so it's been my experience is that, you know, people, Southerners, we tend to be a lot more direct about race. Um, and also, it's been my experience that um, Southerners tend to actually be more comfortable um, with, with, with race. Um, now, granted, you know, we have our fair share of bigots, but, um, you know, bigotry in the South is totally different than bigotry um, out West and, you know, bigotry on the, the East Coast. So that's a fact. Yeah, that's a fact. Well, listen, I I, I hope I'm not the only one who's going to gain some information out of this, but I, I just thought you'd be the perfect person to talk to, um, especially um, hopping into the political arena as you have. Because um, I, I'll speak for myself, hopefully someone out there is, is the same, so I'm not the only one, but I, I think so much effort and energy is being put into Donald Trump, Mike Pence, Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, that yeah. a lot of times we miss um, the other people in our government that not only affect our way of life, um, but can possibly do so at the level of those four people in those in those two positions that they're running for. Um, so what I was hoping we can do yeah. is I, I would um, I, I might have a question or two mixed in here, but I was hoping to just throw some government official titles at you and you can sort of give me at least some sort of insight in what they do and how they affect our way of life. Is that possible? Okay. All right. So first, let's start off with the obvious one. Uh, what? Let's talk about the mayor. So the the mayor, okay. the mayor of the town is is generally a title that we just know them as the face of the town, but the day to day mm -hmm. operations and what they actually affect. So like, let's let's talk about it. like what what do I need to know about the importance of a mayor? Okay. Well, a, a lot of it just kind of depends on um, the makeup of um, the, 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 the city or the town um, in terms of the roles and the, um, the powers of the mayor. Generally speaking, um, at least here in Alabama, um, it, it tends to fall in kind of two factions. Um, 
there's 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 one faction where the mayor is, is basically um, a figurehead. It's more so ceremonial, and you have a, a city manager, a town manager, and they're the ones that actually that runs the day to day operations um, of the uh, municipality. Um, and then there's another um, faction, um, and that's um, what Tarrant kind of subscribes to, where the mayor essentially is the CEO um, of the city, and so. Um, the mayor is the one um, that makes all of the, the hiring and um, personnel decisions. Um, the mayor is the one that actually prepares the budget. Um, the mayor is the one that um, enters into contracts on behalf of the city. Um, and so, yeah, the mayor kind of serves in that, that executive role. Um, so it, it really just kind of to answer your question, um, it, it really just kind of depends on the makeup or... Um, of the city are more are more does it matter does it affect it if it's like a major city or more of a smaller city on whether the mayor is a more of a figurehead typically in major cities um mayor tends not to be the mayors tend to be actually the ceo um where you tend to see a lot of city managers um is um, yeah, a lot of the smaller, um, medium-sized cities, that's where they actually have a manager. And a lot of that, believe it or not, has to do with the fact that um, you, want, you want the city um, and the municipality to be professionally managed. And so um, it, it's one of those things where, you know, we all live in this thing called democracy and we want everyone to vote and we want everyone's participation, but sometimes the people tend to vote in people that, um, that don't have a clue as to, you know, how to run a city. So what? that's all, it, it almost kind of serves as a check, a checks and balance um, city managers do. To, to the mayor. Yes. Yeah. So what what makes a bad city manager or what makes a bad mayor? Well, I think that a lot of that is just kind of, you know, context um, specific and dependent. Um, in my um, opinion, I think what would make a bad mayor or, or city manager is is someone that doesn't or someone that lacks the vision um, to kind of see things four or five steps ahead. Um, I think that um, as an elected official, the people have entrusted you um, with, um, with the confidence of, of, of your, 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 your decision-making and, and judgment-making skills. And so in order to kind of execute that, you have to have the ability to kind of see beyond, you know, the here and now. And um, if a city manager or mayor is able to kind of see that um, and kind of make, you know, the changes as needed in order to kind of, you know, navigate the, the, the city to, you know, the next point, then, I mean, that, that's definitely a sign of a, of a good uh, mayor or uh, city manager. So I, I've been in some cities where I st when I started living there, um, I won't say the city's name because I am just learning as you're talking. So I don't want to give mm -hmm. any sh shout outs or any shade that is not warranted. Okay. But, but I've lived in some cities where the development in the areas of those cities have gone up exponentially as I've lived there. So I moved there and it was all dirt roads and then all of mm -hmm. a lot of big business came into the area. Is, is, that mm -hmm. a, is that a credit to the mayor? Um, it depends. Um, in a small city like, you know, Tarrant, then yeah, I mean, it would be accredited to the mayor. Um, in some larger cities, um, a lot of that is just a function of, I guess, um, take for instance, um, out in um, the LA area. It's been several years since I've been out there, but... Um, Come on, visit, man. We got you. I know, I know, but LA is just so expensive, man. It's just uh. <laughs> you're right. We we, we paying three, too, too too rich for my blood. We paying three thousand a month for a closet right now. Yeah, you know, three thousand dollars a month down here is a is a you know puts you in probably about seventy five hundred square feet. <laughs> don't, don't tell me that. I don't. Uh, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> but um, so um, for if, if, if you have a city, you know, f- for larger cities, you know, a lot of times the development it happens kind of organically and, and without the aid of government. Um, simply, for instance, kind of like what you're saying, you're paying $3,000 a month for a closet. And so, you know, at that point, there's a market um, for developers and for investors to come in and, you know, build new apartments, um, to build new housing, um, and to put retail. And so a lot of times that can happen independent of city government and um, in larger cities. In smaller cities um, where you don't necessarily have those same market forces in terms of, um, you know, there being a need for, you know, new apartments, new retail and things of that nature, um, mayors and um, government officials, they play a large part, a large role in, in actually bringing those um, developments to the to the city. So, Okay. So, I, I, because and next I definitely want to move on to, uh, like, senator and governor. I sort of want to start navig- moving through that whole chain. Um, but before we do that, is there anything on the campaign trail running for mayor that you would not expect as you got to meet people? You know, it's interesting. Kind of, kind of goes back to what you were saying before, where you kind of alluded to, you know, how you're kind of shocked that, you know, what I said that the uh, the worst thing that was said about me versus what you would suspect. Um, that was just the interesting thing in terms of, um, you know, a lot of times we tend to, you know, make assumptions about people. Um, on the campaign trail, you know, this person is not going to vote for me. Um, and you actually go and you start talking to them and you realize like, wow, they will vote for me. Um, and so to me, that was probably the, the most um, interesting um, aspect of campaigning that, um, you know, that I've kind of found shocking is that um, even though people are different um, and, um, you know, when you really talk to them, you realize that, you know, everyone pretty much wants the same thing. Hmm. Which is? Um, safe communities. Um, safe schools for the kids and, you know, they want to be left alone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, good, and good jobs. And good jobs. I'm yeah, sure. and good jobs. Yeah. Good job. But but absolutely left alone. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Okay. So I think I have a better understanding of the mayor, but I do want to also ask this last question about mayor and I promise we'll move on. Mm-hmm. I for the first time started researching when our town hall meetings are mm-hmm. what why should people be more um interested involved with going to town hall meetings because most of those are public and i have heard that a large percentage of people in communities just don't take advantage of the voice that they have in their own community when they have access to it yeah, well, I think what you are you referring to what city council meetings? Those yes. are like the local meetings. Yeah, yeah, because we're moving to council people next. Yeah, well, I, I think that um, the reason why you actually want to go to those meetings is because they actually make decisions at those meetings that um, affect the things that you see in your community, um, the things that come to the businesses that come to your community, the businesses that leave your community. Um, They make decisions affecting the schools, pretty much everything that can, um, that you can touch, feel, or experience in your neighborhood. um, Those decisions are actually made at the local level. Um, And so it's very important for people to actually participate because believe it or not, they actually most local governments actually kind of count on the fact that people tend to be disinterested um, in those meetings and they tend to focus on what's happening, you know, at the state level or, you know, what's happening in Washington, D.C. And so it actually allows them to actually go and make decisions that they probably would make um, if they knew that um, more people um, were actually watching them. So it's, it's very important for people to actually go to those meetings. Wow. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So what kinds of things are we missing the vote on? 
Well, for instance, take Tarrant. I mean, Tarrant, you know, we have about 6,100 people that actually live in the city. Um, and I mean, we have a budget between the electric department and the city of probably about $19 million. And so over the course of the fiscal year, um, at those meetings, you know, we spend that $19 million. And so out of that $19 million, that's how we pay the fire depart, the firefighters, the police. That's how we pay the librarian. That's how we pay the streets. That's how we do economic incentives to, to bring new businesses to the area. Um, that's how we pay the people, you know, that handles the animal control. That's how we, you know, pay for the public transportation, um, and all of those decisions are actually made um, in those local council meetings. And so if you want to actually have a say-so or an input on that, um, the only way that you're going to be able to do that is to actually go to those meetings. Which, by law, they're required to hold publicly. Like, you could just go. Yeah. Well, they actually, um, most states have it. Um, in Alabama, we have what's called an Open Meetings Act. That says that if there's a quorum, any type of quorum, quorum of um, um, public officials and they're actually discussing official public business, um, that um, they have to be made um, open to the public. And now there are some some ex exceptions to the law that says that, you know, if they're talking about pending litigation, if they're talking about personnel um issues then they can go into what's called executive sessions where you know they can kind of talk amongst themselves but outside of those um those few exceptions um everything has to be done out in public and so um yeah so anyone can go and um you know people should go it's it's fascinating to me that that there are decisions being made about the community that we might actively be complaining about behind closed doors that we actually have access to giving a voice to before this it's made. And I don't know if that's a conversation. I don't know if it's, a, I, I'm not going to say it's a black thing. I don't know, but it's mm -hmm. fascinating to me that there isn't a culture where we encourage taking advantage of those opportunities. Is there a reason why that you think? I suspect this is the thing. I think that um, the people that um, it's 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 a certain culture surrounding you know the people that are actually involved in in local politics, um, and um, in every community, you know, you have a, a, a small group of people that actually do do go to all the meetings and that are active with the different boards and stuff, and so. Um, a lot of times, unfortunately, you know, the politicals, the people that are actually active, they actually kind of have an incentive um, for, you know, the majority of the people not to be active um, hmm. because, you know, they kind of get to shape the policy. They get to shape how the money is being spent. Um, they get to shape, you know, um, a lot of the personnel choices concerning um, the police chief, the fire chief, the building inspector, um, and all of that. So <laughs> I, I think that, um, I don't necessarily think that um, it's happenstance that um, most people don't really um, pay attention to, you know, local politics or, or local meeting, um, um, local um, government meetings. Um I think that that's a lot of that is probably by design too. Hmm. Um, so anything else to know about a, a councilman? I, I don't know much about what they actually do. Well, typically in most cities, the, the, the thing about it is that it's kind of ironic because I actually had a meeting tonight. I met with one of um, our council member um, councilmen and um, <laughs> you know, we were kind of going back and forth and stuff and he kind of joked and stuff and said, you know, you're the mayor and, you run the city. The only thing that I'm in control of is basically the pocketbook. Mm. And so um, that is really and truly, and, and most, most municipalities, I mean, that is really and truly the, um, um, the kind of the, 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 the thrust behind the, the council or the aldermen's, depending on, you know, what they're called in, um, in your particular city. But um, they're the ones that actually control the, the 
pocketbook, kind of like Congress, where the president is, is part of the executive branch, and then he is the one that's responsible for kind of executing the, the laws and, 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 and running the, 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 the country. But Congress, on the other hand, you know, they're in charge of, you know, the money. <laughs> so... Uh, you mentioned uh, another position uh, will move along on this local government train. Um, police chief. Police chief. Police chief is, 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 is an employee, just like any other um, city employee. However, you know, the police chief is, is, is tasked with actually um, being over the police department. Um, so he or she is responsible for um, implementing um, the policies um, for the department. Um, the police chief is responsible for doing um, the hiring. They're also responsible for, you know, doing the firing. And then, you know, they're also the person, they're the point person um, for, you know, if something goes wrong. Um, they're the person that's responsible for kind of answering, you know, to the, um, to the general public. Police chief is an elected official. Is that correct? No. Um, um, most municipalities, the police chief isn't an elected official. Some municipalities have it where the police chief is is an elected official, but most municipalities, um, no, the police chief is actually um, is an appointed position, usually by the mayor. In some municipalities, the the council actually has to approve it. Ooh. Okay, so a, a police chief. So the public generally, a majority of the time, doesn't have a say in who the police chief is. Um, but no, the public actually does have a say in who the police chief is because um, generally the police chief is actually selected by the the mayor, and the mayor is actually selected by the people. <laughs> got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Um, yeah. Whew. All right. Let's move on to. Oh, so I want to say this. The police chief has full discretion on the practices of the entire police department of that city. Is that right? Yes and no. Um, generally speaking, you know, the police chief is kind of like the CEO of the police department um, to kind of put it in, you know, layman's terms. But um, again, you know, if you look at, you know, what's happening in um, uh, Minnesota in terms of Minneapolis, where they wanted to ban the choke holes and they wanted to ban like a lot of the other things and they wanted to, you know, essentially defund the police. The city council sets the budget for the police. They approve the money. And so um, it's one of those things where it kind of goes back to the golden rules, even though you are the police. <laughs> <laughs> and you have the power and the authority to arrest people. Mm -hmm. We control the money. <laughs> so essentially, you're going to do what we tell you to do or else we're not going to give you the money. Goodness. So it's, it's like that. And that's, you know, but interestingly enough, that's why, you know, don't want to get into politics. But, you know, when people when you have politicians, particular local politicians, in cities that have had, you know, incidents involving their police, when they essentially say that, you know, we have no control over it, that, that, that's not, that's not the case mm. because you can actually control it through the pocketbook. Mm. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm glad you, you brought up uh, Minnesota um, because uh, Minnesota, I don't know why I said it like that. Um, be because I, 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 this is my first time hearing that. It, it seems uh, all of the pressure a lot of times goes on the police, but I, I want to ask you this question because it's a question that jumps around all the time. Mm -hmm. It seems so easy of a concept that police officers who are assigned to an area, regardless of that area should either live in that area or they should be acclimated with that area for at least a year or two in training before they police that area. People should not be policing areas where they live on the outskirts of the city, similar to what people said about you on the campaign trail, which is like, 
people don't want a mayor <laughs> who doesn't live in that city. You want the same way you want a mayor who lives in your city. Yeah. You you want a police mm-hmm. officer that lives. It's harder to be rougher on the community when you live across the street. You, you that's that's Albert from across the street. That's not Albert from the the next town yeah. over. So, what is the big roadblock with that, or what is seemingly the big roadblock with that? Is that a police chief issue? Is that a councilman issue? Is that a mayor issue? Like governor? Like how, how, what's the issue with what seems to be such a simple concept? Well, the problem is, you know, when you're talking about you know issues such as um, policing and um, you know, local governance, it's never kind of a black and white issue. Um, and so on the surface, it seems like, a, you know, a pretty straightforward, you know, issue. You know, the police should live in the, the communities um, that they actually, um, that they serve. Mm-hmm. And so for a long time, you know, that was actually part of, um, that was actually part of, you know, most local laws and ordinance that says that if you are if you are if you are you know uh, um, a police officer you have to live in the city if you work for the city you have to live in the city mm-hmm. and um, they 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 did that for that very reason they wanted people to actually they wanted the police to be a part of the community and you know they didn't necessarily want that disconnect or or or, or that gap between the community and the police. When you actually start to kind of unpack that and kind of think about it, you know, from from several different angles, you can see that it kind of becomes problematic. Um, for starters, okay, if you're going to require all the police to actually live in the city, you require the police to live all in the city. Let, let's take Los Angeles, you know, <laughs> as an example. Okay. How much do you think most police officers make? Uh, I would guess sixty or seventy thousand. Okay, um, if you're making sixty, seventy thousand dollars in Los Angeles, is it possible for you to buy a house? No. And take care of a family? No. No. So I mean that that was one of the that was the that was a, a major issue um, for a lot of like large municipalities like New York and Boston, and so because it was just. It was one of those things where if you're going to require the police officers to to live in the city and if the cost of living in the city was astronomical, then guess what? That means that you had to pay the police officers more money, which means that, you know, it was going to mess up your budget. That was one issue. But I think the biggest issue um, with requiring police officers to actually live in the city that they serve is a safety issue. Um, If I'm a police officer... And if I pull someone over, let's just say this is the, the, the city, you know, drunk. And everyone basically knows that, you know, this person is always drinking and they're inebriated and, you know, they're, they're, they're causing a scene. What's going to happen if that person, if, if that officer is actually living in that city and, you know, let's say it's a Saturday, the officer is off and, you know, he decides to go to the store, you know, with his kids, and then he runs into that guy. And the guy basically decides to do something. Um, at that point, you know, it's a safety issue. And so um, about 15, 20 years ago, um, that was one of the things that a lot of police unions actually said is that, look, you know, we have to do away with these these rules, these ordinances that says that the police officers have to live, you know, in the area that they police because it's a safety issue. Hmm. Okay. So, okay. I mean, there has to be some balance of accountability and safety. I'm no, 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 no. I, I agree. Um, personally, I don't necessarily, you know. I, you're a new mayor. You don't have to. You don't have to share your opinion. As 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 as, as, as a new mayor, I'm not going to require my police officers to live. No, I got you. In, okay. in you know, well, I agree. With, you know, I, it, it would be nice if they do. Um, now, what I what I do actually think though is that there should be actually more of an emphasis on community policing, meaning the police officers should actually have contact with individuals from the community hmm. outside the context of actually arresting them. 
Um, and so one of the things that, you know, that I've been, you know, exploring is how can you actually increase that? How can you um, increase the amount of interactions with community members and the police outside the context of them basically arresting them or, or them coming from like a disturbance at the house? And so one of the things that um, I plan to implement is different types of um, initiatives to actually to kind of allow the, the police and the community to kind of interact on a kind of a, a neutral basis. Um, for instance, Tarrant, um, you know, like most, you know, urban cities, I mean, we have a problem with, with, with literacy um, in terms of like school age kids. And so one of the things that I'm actually looking at is to, um, to do like a book initiative through the mayor's office and kind of have it implemented through the police department as well as the fire department. And what I mean by that is I want to actually get some children's book and I want every police officer um, um, in their trunk, I want every police car to actually have children's books. And so anytime that the police actually goes out on a call or anytime that the police actually sees kids, um, it's going to be understood that we're going to actually give them books. And so that's actually helping. I mean, that's knocking out two birds in one stone. Nice. The first stone that it's actually helping is, again, it's actually allowing the police and, 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 and the community to kind of interact in a neutral, a non-threatening, a non-law you know, enforcement um, manner. Mm -hmm. Meaning, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a situation you see some kids, you know, outside playing, you know, rather than you going up, you know, giving them the third degree, hey, you, you pull up and you say, hey, I got some books. What, what grade are you guys in? You know, and, and have them actually read um, and have them, you know, and it creates kind of a, it creates a, a much better relationship. Um, but then it also has a second thing is, you know, we need to have more books in, in, in the homes of, um, of our kids. Um, because that's if you if you go and if you look at the numbers, um, you know, typically in low income neighborhoods, um, that is one of the things that's lacking in terms of books for um, for kids to read. And um, don't quote me on this, but I, there was a there's a statistic that says that, you know, kids from low income, um, you know, homes, by the time they reach kindergarten, you know, they have heard what 15 to 20,000, you know, less words, um, than kids and, you know, middle-class and well-to-do homes. And so, hmm. you know, it, it, it's, it, that's a great way of, 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 of kind of bridging that gap. Um, another initiative that I actually want to do, and this kind of goes along with, with what we're just, what we're discussing is rather than, um, you know, when, when, when police officers actually, if it's a situation where, you know, they're pulling someone over or they get, you know, sent out on a call and, you know, the person is kind of upset, you know, at the fact that the police officer is kind of having to enforce the law. And, and, you know, if the person basically says that, you know, well, I think this is wrong and, um, you know, this is just crazy and this shouldn't be the law rather than the police officer, rather than kind of having that kind of escalating into, you know, um, a situation to that can, you know, end, you know, not so well. Mm -hmm. um, I want to encourage my police officers to actually carry um, voter registration forms in their cars. And if there's a person that says that, you know, they don't basically like, you know, the police, they don't like what the police is doing, you know, have the officers say, look, you know, I understand that, you know, if you want to change, if you don't like, you know, what I'm doing, you can actually, you know, you get to select who my boss is. Mm -hmm. And this is how you actually select my boss. So, I mean, it's, it's things like that kind of thinking outside the box, um, I, um, are going to be ways that I actually think that you can kind of change to kind of foster the change with the um, with the police department. Um, now, you know, it's not going to happen overnight. Um, certainly, you know, giving kids books, 
and um, you know, giving people voter registration um, forms. Um, you know, obviously that probably wouldn't have prevented you know um, George Floyd or Breonna Taylor um, those incidents from happening. But it's a start. Yeah. So for sure. Uh, this is a sidebar. It has nothing uh-huh. to do with this conversation. But I remember back in middle school, um, one of the one of the kids in my school, the the police came to read us a story one time. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, he just blurted it out. He was like, uh, one of the police officers came in a uniform, and he uh-huh. was, he was like, "That was the dude that was at uh, <laughs> that was the dude that was at my house last night." And apparently, his mom had snuck one of the police officers in, and. I don't know why. I don't know why he said it out loud because he knows we, we were all like <laughs> we weren't bullies, but he knew like it was going. Man, we made up a song like "Yo Mama with the Police," huh? Yo Mama with the, and that that song followed him through high school. Shout out to Brandon, my bad. Um, <laughs> but when you said it, it just it reminded me. <laughs> he just. But you, but you want to know what though? The crazy thing about it is, you know. I think that's how programs like that are far more effective because, you know, I'm pretty sure when you've actually probably interacted with police, even though that may not have been in the front of your mind, in the back of your mind on a subconscious level, I'm pretty sure you actually remembered that. You remembered that experience. Absolutely. All all I ask as a citizen, just for me personally, all I ask is that these initiatives don't start once there is a racially charged event in the country because then it, it just seems like a scramble for pr versus an actual initiative like it sounds like what you're doing that's all well I- and that's and you know what that's the that's the problem that is the problem and i and i will say that i mean that's one of the shortcomings of um that's that's been one of the shortcomings of local government um you know a lot of times we kind of want to put that on the on the national stage and say that that's a national problem in terms of, you know, policing, but, you know, local government actually controls policing. I mean, you know, as powerful as Donald Trump is, you know, Donald Trump does not control the police department in Tarrant, Alabama. <laughs> I mean, that's just, you know, yeah, that, that, that's not the case. And so I think that if people should actually start to kind of focus on, you know, local elected officials, then I actually think that we can we can see a lot more changes because at the end of the day, you know, all politics is local. Absolutely. So we are we are still here with uh, Mayor Elect Wayman Newton. I'm going to make a completely ignorant comparison. You can tell me why I'm ignorant, but also agree if I'm somehow correct. If if local politics mm-hmm. was Destiny's Child, the mayor is Beyonce, the police chief is Kelly. And the district attorney is Michelle. Is that is is the district attorney would be Michelle in that scenario? Is that <laughs> how off yeah. how off am I? You know, <laughs> do I have do I have the wrong group? Do I have the wrong group? No, I think that's yeah. But I, you know, I know people always. You know, I I, I am a, 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 a I'm 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 the, I'm the I'm the president of the Beehive, so I'm just gonna put that out there. But. <laughs> I always kind of saw Michelle and Kelly on the same level. I know people like to put oh. Kelly above Michelle, but I mean, that might be the most unpopular thing you've said. I'm glad you said that before you got elected, because <laughs> for real, you didn't. You really think Michelle and Kelly are the same? Yeah, I mean, I just you know they're just kind of blah. They're just you know they've they've always been Beyonce's background singers. You know, it's just you know what is going on, really? Okay, you know, all right. So let's talk about the Michelle of the group, uh, the district attorney. <laughs> district attorney. Yeah. Well, um, so the district attorneys, um, sometimes that um, sometimes that's an elected um position. Um, and then, um, usually sometimes that's elected and sometimes that's appointed. So depending on the jurisdiction, um, in, um, in the city of Tarrant, um, the district attorney, the district attorney is basically hired by the mayor. So I'll basically hire the district attorney, um, the city judge, um, I'll hire the city judge, but then the city council will actually have to vote on them. Um, but, um, I think out in LA, um, your district attorney is um, is um, elected, and so um, they have to answer directly to the people. So, 
A lot of district. Uh, well, obviously because of uh, uh, rest in peace, Breonna Taylor. But because of that whole entire situation and various other ones around the country, the district attorney is has been in the news a significant amount of time. So, so with yeah, if we can, yeah, if we can separate the what we've learned about the mayor and the police chief, what is uh, what is unique about the district attorney's uh, responsibilities? Well, in, in, in most jurisdictions, the district attorney is basically responsible for, um, I guess, suing people in criminal matters on behalf of the, 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 the municipality or the jurisdiction or the state. So if, um, if you were to actually assault someone... That person can sue you in civil court, but then also the state of California or the city of Los Angeles, it can actually, you know, sue you in criminal court. And um, and then the district attorney would be the person um, that would be responsible for actually prosecuting you and, um, you know, going after you criminally and, you know, trying to actually put you in jail. So uh, I'm, I'm still trying to figure this out. You really think Kelly and Michelle are on the same level? I, yeah, I'm really, yeah, I'm really, yeah. I'm really, I'm really trying to. I'm all about. I'm see. I'm all about vocals. I mean, Kelly has a weak. Her voice is is not as strong, and Michelle's voice is not as strong. I mean, they're they're they're, they're not they're not Beyonce. What is Beyonce's best? <laughs> what is Beyonce's best album? <sighs> I would actually have to say her best. Wait, 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 album. wait! Can, can we sit on the count of three? Because I have my, I have my answer. So <laughs> I, I'll count to three, and we can, we can both say, I've never debated this with a mayor before. So I, I <laughs> see. I, I don't even want to go down this road. Man. I'm, <laughs> I'm feeling sometimes I have to say that on the low. I can't say that out loud. You All know, right. <laughs> on, on the count of three. And listen, I can edit this. It's fine. Uh, on a count of three. All right. So, what your? Let's say your favorite. Let's say your favorite. Let's not say best. Let's say your favorite. Okay. Your you right on count of three. Your favorite Beyonce album. All right. Here we go. Three, two, one. Crazy in Love. You four. Didn't, four. Oh, are you talking about album? Or are you talking about record? What's the difference? I always thought that an album was like an actual album, a collection of songs, and record was like one was an individual song oh oh okay okay got it got it got it all right so what's your favorite what's your what's your favorite album uh, i'll probably say four that uh that album see i, I actually I, I like i like r&b i like you know i don't like you know i can i can listen to some of her later stuff but i mean i understand that hey she's trying to stay relevant and stuff but you know, I, I, you got you got to have vocals. I like ballads. We we gotta we gotta actually. All right, we gotta get through this politics talk because I you have to come back so we can actually have an R and B talk because I, I feel like I feel like there's something there. We have to we have to come back for this talk. Okay. All right. So um, um, not gonna hold you too much longer. Um, but I I do. There are two more um, two more positions I do want to talk through. And then I want mm -hmm. to ask you a, a one final question. Um, senators and governors. Senators and governors. Um, so the governor is, is essentially the CEO of the state. Um, and so they're responsible for kind of, um, kind of, you know, executing the, the laws, the, the laws of the state and kind of making sure that the state is basically run. And then, you know, senators, you have state senators. Um, um, each state has a, you know, uh, I guess a state legislator and like a state senate. Um, and then so you have state senators, but then you also have the U.S. senators where, you know, every state has two senators that they send to Washington to, you know, represent the interest of that state. Can you can you at least. Um... Can you talk through uh, the relationship between a mayor and a governor and then also the relationship between a Senate and a president? Because we we hear the term like flip the Senate, flip the Senate, flip the Senate. What does yeah. that what is? Well, you know, in interestingly enough, um, politics is, is, is kind of counterintuitive, but the higher you go up, 
the less kind of influence you kind of have on people's day-to-day lives, Mm. if that makes any sense. So, you know, a mayor is basically responsible, you know, for hiring the police chief, the fire chief, the, you know, the, the street and sanitation um, department, people that worked at the libraries, people who, you know, um, you know, clean up the streets, people, you know, they're responsible for, for those people, patching up potholes, things of that nature. Governors, on the other hand, you know, you know, because states are still big, you know, they can actually hire people, but they typically just hire people like in their particular office. Um, they will hire people, you know, department heads. So person that's over the Department of Commerce, the person that's over the, um, I guess, the Department of, you know, examiners, you know, things of that nature. But it's, it's kind of like the higher you go up, you know, they tend to actually kind of look at the big picture. Mm-hmm. And so they tend to their sphere of influence tends to kind of focus on the big picture as opposed to you know, things local. Now, obviously you want to actually have a great relationship as a mayor. You want to have a great relationship with the governor because, you know, the governor can actually steer funds and grants and things of that nature to your city. Um, But, you know, outside of that, um, the governor doesn't really have any day-to-day influence um, over, you know, what goes on in the city. All right. So, and, and how does that, uh, so Senate, so a Senator is important because. And that's even, again, that's going a step higher. So you're talking about a U.S. Senator mm-hmm. at that point, it's, it's the exact same thing. I mean, their sphere of influence is basically the United States in terms of, you know, you know, setting policy and, you know, spending well and all. And you, you do realize that, you know, the House of Representatives and the Senate, um, Congress and the Senate, you know, they have like different roles. You know, Congress is in charge of, you know, setting the budget, creating the budget and things of that nature. But I think the Senate also, you know, votes on it. The Senate, on the other hand, is responsible for, you know, appointing people to the Supreme Court. They're also responsible for ratifying treaties and things of that nature. So, um, you know, going back to your earlier, you know, discussion, question about the um i guess the interplay between the senate and like local local government you know obviously you want to have a great relationship with your state with your your u.s senator because again you know when they actually go and you know decide to do the federal budget then the senate the your senator can actually send you you know grant and send you money which they call it port, you know, back to your city and you can in turn use that money to, you know, grow your city or to hire new employees or to replace equipment and things of that nature. You said it's called what? What's the P word you use? Oh, port. <laughs> like, like pork? Port. Yeah. Oh, okay. That is that, that, that's the term. And because, I mean, this is the thing. I mean, our U S budget is what a couple of trillion dollars. And so again, you have to spend that money. And so how our government is, they can't possibly spend all that money in Washington, D.C., even though they try. And so what they do is a lot of that money is basically funneled down to the states and the money is funneled down to local government. And so the goal is you basically, as a senator, you want a large share of the pie to actually get funneled down to your state because that makes you look good. Okay, so quick question: is the is the um, is the senator working in D.C. on behalf of the state, or is the senator's allegiance generally to the president? No, the senator senators. I mean, this is the thing: your allegiance is to to the people that actually put you there. So their allegiance is to the state, hmm. to the people back in their district. Hmm. Got it. All right, so we've covered senator, governors, mayors, councilmen, police chief, district attorney. Did, did we leave any important local elected official, officials out? Um, I mean, there are tons of people. I mean, you know, different cities have different, you know, um, usually there's a city attorney. Um, 
And that that attorney is basically kind of, you know, they serve as the attorney for the city. And so you kind of rely on them, you know, for their legal expertise and legal input in terms of, you know, contracts and things of that nature. So they play a large, um, large role. Also, city attorneys tend to be, you know, when the police do, you know, things that are bad (laughs) and the city gets sued, they're the ones that actually are the ones that's kind of negotiating those settlements. Um, And then those are the ones that um, generally what happens is, you know, settlements and things of that nature have to actually be approved by the city council. Because, again, anything dealing with money has to go through the city council um, because they control the the, the purse. Um, And so but it's usually the city attorney um, is the person that will actually kind of give them um, input as to, you know, we think that this is a settlement this is you know a fair settlement this is you know this is too much this is too little things of that nature so um they play a large part Uh, most cities actually have what's called department heads so those are the people that are over this kind of like the police chief how the police chief is over the um the um the police department and the fire chief is over the fire department you know most cities have you know parks and recreation um, so there's a department head over that, that. So that person is over, you know, all of the, the parks and recreation facilities and employees. Um, there's a street and sanitation. Um, usually um, that department is also called the public works department. That department is, you know, responsible for the trash pickup, keeping the grass cut, keeping the city clean, things of that nature. And so they'll have a department head over that. And so that department ahead is over all of, you know, all of, you know, anything that 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 has to deal deal with that. Um, And then there's the um, cities have libraries. You know, some cities have boards that actually control the libraries. Other cities have like, the you know, a head librarian. Um, And then, you know. There are other um, there are other departments and stuff, um, depending on just the makeup of the city. But departments heads, you know, they have a lot of sway. And nine times out of 10, usually what happens if there's like a, a, a hiring need, let's just say you need to you know, find a, a, um, a, um, a new person to, you know, a, a new person to, you know, pick up the trash. And so. Usually what happens is the department head, um, the head of that department, they will actually initiate the search and stuff. And, you know, they'll select someone and then or select a a couple of people and then they'll present them to the mayor and say, you know, this is the person that I want. And nine times out of 10, the mayor is going to actually, you know, take the recommendation of that particular department head. And so that's how that person will get 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 hired. So. Department's heads are very, um, they're very, very important. Um, and then you, I mean, you have auditors, you have accountants. I mean, it's, if you look at the city as being like a business, um, you know, all of the different positions that you actually have in a business, I mean, you kind of have the equivalent of a city. So people that work in marketing, people that work in sales, people that work in um, advertising. Um, you also, another um, another important position is like the, um, the purchasing agent. That's the person that's actually responsible for actually going out, you know, making the decision, you know, who we're going to buy from in terms of, you know, um, supplies and materials and things of that nature. So when you hear of um, people complain about, you know, how cities and municipalities, you know, they don't do business with the particular community, you know, nine times out of 10, you know, you probably want to take a look at the purchasing agents. And, you know, if you basically have a purchasing agent that only likes to kind of, you know, deal with, you know, certain suppliers, and those suppliers all look the same, then, you know, if you want to actually get a different result, then you probably should change the purchasing agent or at least get a purchasing agent that tends to take a more a more global view at um you know identifying um suppliers so man this has been uh man a really great uh informative conversation i, I can't thank you enough 
um, for coming on. I do have one last question before we let you go. And this is just in my uninformed, uninformed political opinion. Um, mm-hmm. a- elections for me have been more about visibility than information. So a lot of times I'm voting from a place of people I'm familiar with than people I agree with. Mm-hmm. What is the best way? And the answer could definitely be Google, which I'm sure just do your own research. I, <laughs> I, I'm sure is the answer. I know, but I just need to ask, is there, what is the best way to find out the true history of a candidate outside of them coming to eat at a restaurant near your place or coming to visit you or coming to your home or getting one of their pamphlets in the mail like what do i need to really find you know that is that's tough i mean that is a tough um that's a really tough answer um question um because there really isn't an answer and it's funny that you kind of mentioned you know googled you do realize that people spend a lot of money (laughs) to um to do what's called you know google optimization (laughs) so if you search for a particular thing you know they tend to like to push the bad things to like the the fourth or fifth page and have all the positive things on the first page so um, well you know nowadays it's not a um you know it's probably not as dependable as it is on you know some other things what i would actually say is um you know, it's going to probably require some work on your part, but to actually go and and do some research and find out, you know, their voting record, if it's an incumbent, it's it's one of those things where you can't spin a voting record. And I think that that is, you know, part of the reason, you know, why I think that, you know, Biden has been getting some criticism because, you know, he has a 47 year <laughs> voting record and, you know, people are kind of looking at it. So I think that's certainly one thing. You can listen to a lot of the stuff that they say, um, but the problem is, you know, everything is so scripted. And I mean, politicians, and you you, you learn which, you know, I'm a politician, I tend to find myself doing it. You, you tend to stick to your, 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 your talking points, <laughs> regardless yeah. of the question. And so, you know, a lot of times, you know, it's kind of hard to kind of tease out, you know, you know, their actual thought or, you know, their actual, you know, opinion about something. Um, that's, that, that, that's a tough one. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. No, I, I think the voting record is actually uh, really great. Cause if I, if I know what you've prioritized in the past, it, it would tell me yeah. regardless of what you're campaigning for, what, where your priorities lie. Yeah. And they say, you know, particularly for, um, most cities, the, the budget is actually submitted by the mayor and then the, the council has to vote on it. And usually what happens is the council will say, take this out. We want you to add this and, and all of that. And then you can get our vote. But there's an old saying that basically says that if you take a look at a person's budget, if you take a look at the mayor's budget, um, that budget is going to show you their priorities. Um, and so how you choose to kind of go and allocate the money um, it, it speaks volumes into, you know, what you, what you think is a priority. I'm glad you said that as as we go, what do you want people to know about the future of Tarrant, Alabama? Well, um, great question. Um, I want people to know that, um, you know, obviously we've, um, we have our challenges and we've had our challenges and that, um, you know, like most urban cities, we didn't necessarily get this way overnight. And so unfortunately, we're not going to be able to change overnight. But my goal and my, you know, sincere desire is that um, over the course of the next four years, um, we can actually kind of sort to dig ourselves out of the hole that um, that we find ourselves in. And that, um, you know, a lot of times people have been saying that the whole pandemic has just kind of been just a curse. Um, but I kind of tend to look at it, you know, in a much more, you know, positive light that, you know, this is an opportunity where our economy has actually slowed down, um, tremendously. And you've had a lot of businesses, you know, unfortunately had to shut down due to, due to COVID, but, you know, we're not gonna, those businesses aren't going to stay, you know, closed forever. And that, um, you know, the American spirit and, you know, entrepreneurialism is going to actually, you know, once again, kind of take hold of us. And 
um, my goal and my sincere desire is that um, Tarrant can actually be a, a landing spot um, for many entrepreneurs um, hoping to come back. And um, hopefully they will take the chance on us and we can take the chance on them. And, you know, in the end, we can all win. Yes, in the, in the infamous words of the Negro poet Michelle Williams, when Jesus says yes, nobody can say no. So thank you. No, and I'm and I'm, I'm and I'm glad you brought that up. I want you to actually look at uh, that performance that they did at the Stellar Awards <laughs> because that that performance is actually telling. I mean, that was Michelle's song, but clearly Beyonce was the star. <laughs> I'm gonna look at it. And after after you get in office, I know you got to get in office. You got to get yourself settled. After you get in, uh -huh. we, we, I, I, we should sit down and have an R and B conversation for real. Like I, I'm I'm fully prepared for that. <laughs> All right. Today we've learned about the life of local government. This is Mayor Elect Wayman Newton. Uh, until the next time, I love y'all. Make sure you comment, rate, and subscribe. Comment, rate, and subscribe. It don't cost you nothing. Until the next time, I always remember. Somebody always needs to hear your story. And if you don't like the way your story started, the most powerful thing in your life is the pen is still in your hand. You still have the room, the time, and the space to write it. Love y'all. Later.